Welcome to Surviving Saturday, a podcast about holding on to hope in the midst of life's difficulties, disappointments, and dark seasons. Times like that remind us of the agony and despair the followers of Jesus felt on the Saturday of Easter weekend, in between the Friday on which he was crucified and the Sunday on which he rose from the dead. That Sunday forever changed the way that humans can relate to God. But what does it look like to be honest about the very real pain we experience in the in-between? To fervently cling to hope in the God who promised us His peace and His presence at times when He feels distant or even cruel. I'm Wendy Osborne, a licensed counselor in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm her husband, Chris, a marriage mediator, conflict resolution coach, and trauma-informed story work coach. Join us each episode for authentic conversations about how life not turning out as we'd expected has created the contextual soil for the growth of a tenacious hope in the resurrection and in a God who is still making all things new. Hi, I'm Wendy. And hey, I'm Chris. Welcome back to Surviving Saturday. We are uh, excited to bring another episode of the podcast and... Today we were talking about really trying to process really a, a really difficult conflict that we had very recently um, where we both had a lot of emotion, a lot of feelings sort of stirred up and we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we honor that and bring that to each other and, and we, we felt like it was kind of a, a roller coaster for a bit but we, we maybe had some insights that kind of came out of it so we wanted to kind of share that um, and kind of let you sort of see the inner workings of of what conflict looks like when you're trying to be story aware and trying to, you know, both hold one another's hearts well, and yet then you're not because <laughs> you're in your own stuff. So, Wendy, why don't you sort of set the stage, kind of what this conflict was about? And... Yep. So this started as a conversation on a morning walk. We yes. like to get out several days a week and walk together, and some days, lots of days. That starts the day on a beautiful foot, but some days like this day, it started the day on a dreadful foot. And and I think we even, to add to the madness, I think at least I may have said before this walk, can we have this be like a supportive, can we be purposeful about like just not getting into anything difficult? Can we? Well, because I think we never think we're stepping into something difficult. Well, well, yeah. sometimes we do, but yeah, I just, I just was like, gosh, can, can our goal be to not have a conflict on this walk? Um, because it sort of can set a sour night for the day if we don't end in a good place. And, and, and there are other times we end in a really good place. And so, yeah. Yeah. So on this day, I was aware that The day before, I had had a few sessions with clients that had really brought some conviction to me and made me really consider some things about my life that I would like to change um, to bring more in line with um, the gospel. You know, that that there are just some behavior patterns I'd love to change. Yeah, that was the energy you started with was it was sort of... You had this energy of I can be I can be changed. I'm, yeah. I'm hearing a, a client describe sort of a freedom yep. from something that had really entangled them. And doggone it, like you had this I can do that too. This has yep. entangled me, but it doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah. And so as I was thinking about that, I started. I had been grappling with 
times in my life when I had been more humble and times in my life when I had been more self-righteous. And so I asked you about an experience that we had been through together. Um, This was many years ago um, in a church leadership context. And I asked you if the effect of being in a position of leadership had made it hard to see your own sin and maybe, in fact, made you major on other people's sin more than your own. Because I was seeing ways that that grotesque attitude had penetrated my heart. Okay, yeah. and I was, Not now, but right. in some seasons in sure. the past in certain positions. Yeah, and, and I think I responded to that saying, I mean, I hear that dynamic... I'm very much aware of it, and it felt like something in this context that I and the people I was engaging with in leadership, we were we were trying to be vigilant about that. And we were trying to set a tone of, we are the weakest, um, and we need grace. And so I'm not going to say we never felt vulnerable to that, but it felt different to me. I just, I, and I, but I said, I respect how it felt for you. And, I, I, you know, I... I just I didn't bite on whatever it was you were sort of wanting me to jump in with is what it, I guess it felt like. Yeah, I think in that moment I was feeling vulnerable and humbled. Yeah. And I was without directly asking you to do so, I was asking you to join me in that. And so when you didn't, I made the comment, I can't tell if you're giving me an honest answer or not. And I meant, are you really giving me a thoughtful answer that is really um, born out of surveying your own heart and your experience in this? But you heard that differently. I heard it very differently. I heard it as a questioning of my honesty. And I, I remember, for whatever reason, different words. All I can say is this is how it landed with me was, I don't think you're being honest. And that started to trigger a reaction in me. I'm like, not being honest. Hold on. Why are we talking about honesty all of a sudden? And I started to sort of, you know, get a little activated um, and get exasperated with, wait, how did it turn into that? And then we had stepped right into the middle of a war for power. And we did not really recognize exactly that was what was happening, but our psyches and our bodies were both ready to power up yes because where it went from there is you then tried to marshal evidence i think that what you had experienced was true and right and to defend that you were seeing something and i was made i made a a really good case you did um and it landed more on me okay i felt like you are talking about a long period of time and an arc you know that 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 element was present, and yet it wasn't always present. And I wanted more nuance. I wanted more. And then that landed on a, a place where we've, we've sort of been in some difficult waters of that sort of a cry of my heart is when I've failed, and I do fail, you know, ordinarily, frequently. Um, that, no question that I do fail. But when I do, I want to be seen as this whole person who isn't just the failure that I just had. So it landed on that. And then I basically decided to try to say, I'd like you to really understand that this is a thing that keeps recurring, that I feel like there are times when you are upset enough with me that I'm not being seen anymore. 
as the whole person I am. I'm just that failure. So I tried to communicate that, but I made a big mistake. Um, do you remember that? I do. Um, what I did was I, I tried to make a comparison or analogy to something really deep and important in your story. And tried to say, look, you know how you feel about that? That's sort of how I feel about this because this happened to me. And the reaction immediately was not good. How did that come across to you? What did you experience in that? Um, I felt overpowered. And I felt, um, strangely, I felt not seen for what I had endured. Yeah. And you reacted really strongly to that. And then I realized, oh, crap. I actually kind of pushed it further, actually. I think we started saying things and we I don't know if it's that same discussion but we had we had let that go even worse another time of like well your story you didn't have this and you didn't have that and we don't need to get the details of it but the point is we started it wasn't story topping but it was we were not holding each other's story well and the deeper root of it was we were feeling small yeah. desperate to be heard and, and that sort of got us thinking about, well, we didn't think about it much. We sort of just lost the tether on this conversation, had to just sort of stop it. It yeah, didn't and, end well. I mean, for a couple of days, on and off, it kept taking us out. We'd kind of try to come back, and then it would take us out again. So eventually, we talked it over with some friends in a marriage story group that we're part of. Yes, yes. We were actually, we were able to identify... We are not able to navigate this, and there's some overlay sort of discussions that were kind of wrapped up in this. We're not able to get through this our own. Do we have a place we can go where we both feel safe and somebody can help us hear this? And yeah, sometimes that's, that's what this group exists for. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes so, that's the counseling yeah. room. Sometimes that's the work I do with couples is, hey, you get to both bring it here, and you obviously... I sat with a couple recently, and they keep having the sort of same thing they run into, and they, they now know... We can't get ourselves out of this. Mm-hmm. We, I land on your story, you still land on mine. And they you know, come and sit with me and just as an outside person doing some story work with them, can help them see and connect dots. It's beautiful to watch. Yeah. Uh, so what happened with this is, yeah, we, had, we have a story group that we go to. It's people we met in, um, in uh, Seattle doing a marriage conference thing. And we stayed connected with the leaders of that. And it was a safe place to process. And what was that like for you? Because we came in a little bit more hot than we usually do. We, we, we came in with more of a raw scenario than we had in this group in a while. Well, How it was is that? interesting because it's on Zoom. So yeah. you can see your body posture, my body posture, how we come in. And you can watch it evolve throughout the conversation. Yeah. And so I could see us change facial expression, change body posture and shape. Um, I could see us each at different times just exhale. Yes. Um, I think especially as friends were saying, oh my gosh, I totally relate to that particular dynamic. Or this is a discussion we've had just recently. Yeah, it felt like there was something powerful in it being a, a, a group of married couples, in all in different places in marriage, not too distant in age, but different yeah. places in their stories, and just how they rose up to show kindness and solidarity with each of us. Yes. There was no side picking. No. There was no, oh, well, she's definitely right, and you need to get your act together, bro, or anything like that. It was, I can see you, I can see you, you could see them, their faces light, and part of it's because they've brought 
really hard stuff too. Yeah. Other times they were the ones who came in hot or came in like this yeah, just happened. Marriage is hard. Yes. Yeah. And these are good people. It's lovely and I wouldn't be without it and it's hard. Yeah. It's worth mentioning too, these are these are people who in one of the other couples, the woman is a counselor and the another couple, a man, the man is in counseling school and is you and know another, been doing counseling. The man is a counseling professor exactly. and the woman coaches people yes so, and yeah and the realness yeah. that we felt there where we, we we had not been in the most hard place of the couples who spoke in a while um or i don't know if we ever had and so <clears throat> it was valuable to be seen to be heard um and yeah we kind of relaxed and we felt supported and they spoke to us and then we kind of flubbed you know exiting that like we got off the call. Like after we hung up. Yes. Yeah. Remember? Do you remember what you, you asked me a question or we were saying, how was that? You asked me. You said, how do you feel after that? Yes. And I said, I think I said pretty good. Okay. How do you feel? And I said, I feel sad, but a little hopeful. Uh-huh. Like, so I'm sad that we, we got I'm here. And I powered right up. Yes. Yes. And do you know what that was in response to? Tell me. A little bit of hope. Yeah. What did that make you feel? Oh, I was like, I'm not going to have more hope than you have. So fine. And I think I made a sassy comment about, then I'll only have a little hope too <laughs> right before I stormed off to bed. Yeah. Sassy is one word I suppose we could use. <laughs> it was not a playfully sassy word. And we know, no. we know how to be playful sassy sometimes. No, it was not playful sassy. No. And so it left me kind of like, well, dang, you know, but where I went with it, this is interesting. Cause so I had a fair amount of schoolwork to do and I sort of sat with it for a second and kind of just put it out of my mind like, well, I got a deadline. I got to do my schoolwork. I'm going to go do schoolwork. And I actually had a fairly productive, you know, hour or two getting stuff done I need to. But I woke up the next morning. We hadn't really, we didn't speak, you know, you went on to bed. And then in the morning I woke up and left for soccer and I woke up and just was in abject fear. Like, I, I haven't been on a fear loop like this in a while. Um, and I won't go into the details of it, but I was, like, just stuck, like, oh, my gosh, I can never be vulnerable again. I'm just going to lose. I'm just going to get killed. I just, and I knew on some level I am in a fearful place. I went to go play soccer in the morning, which is what I do, and I was able to kind of let go of some of it to play the game. But it was fascinating to me in retrospect. It was not fascinating at the time. It was terrible at the time. But at least I could recognize, like, this is a fear loop. But, but I was there, and I couldn't get out of it. And, and so I, I lost, I wasn't able to, to connect with you. Um, and you, you, you just mentioned a minute ago kind of what you did with it, you know, mm-hmm. instead of kind of reaching out to me and pulling me in or, or trying to, you know, jab further, what'd you do with yourself? I mean, I went to work and I was like, God, I think I have nothing to give, like exactly zero to give these clients that are coming. Mm-hmm. And... Yet, I felt like somehow he was going to come through and I was going to have what I needed. Yeah. And so I just did what the day required. Yeah. And so what's fascinating is this was a particular day that I had conflict coaching session or a couple coaching sessions booked where I'm doing story work with people. And I had a little, I went in. I think I went and played soccer. I came home and I, I, I don't know if I napped, but I just kind of laid there and sat. I, I had things I wanted to do before my first session and I didn't. But in the first session in having a conversation with this, you know, married couple that's been married about seven years, 
I really had the experience of that you've talked about before of like God shows up with who he brings mm. to our counseling room. Oh, yeah. And, and the beauty of it is God shows up and is working on and bringing care to the people who are coming for, for, for story work, for coaching, counseling, whatever. And he's working on us at the same time. And literally, yes. I'm working. This couple brings a conflict about the wife had a need. She named it for, she thought she named it for her husband, clearly. And, and it came across as like, you know, I have this need. And he initially was like, I don't know if I can do that, but I'm glad to help. Let's not spend money that way, but let's do it this way. She heard that as, you ain't meet my need. You don't care. And that set off in her, you, you, you're never going to believe that what I'm going through is as hard as it is. And so she kind of did the withdrawal, power up, pulled away. And then he's left, well, okay, hey, look, oh, you want that? Okay, I'll get the thing. Aren't we good now? <laughs> you know, and y'all are probably out there laughing. You know, okay, well, I, never mind. I'll go back. I'll get it. I'll get you what you wanted. Aren't we good? And she's like, no, because you don't get my heart. And he's like, I can't win. I'm going to lose. I'm a loser again. And he goes, and I, the Spirit of God just showed up and gave me, like, I felt like I came back into myself and, like, was able to say, guys, it's okay. You need to understand that sometimes something gets tripped, something gets activated in your brain, and you lose the ability to give a rip what the other person is thinking or feeling. And I was laughing internally because I'm like, I've just been there for like an hour or two where I'm scared. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm not thinking about, I wonder what Wendy needs right now. I was like, that is not on the radar. But it slowly came back. I'm like, guys, this is how our brains operate. This is how our stories operate. Sometimes we are are in, we're consumed by fear or we're consumed by um, you know, desperation or something we have to have, whatever it is. If we go too far with it, it we, we lose that. Does that make sense? Does that oh, resonate yeah. with what you're seeing in your room as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like this gift. I like, I'm like, oh, yeah, reminder, dummy. This is what happens. And, and it made me see, not just for me, like, oh, yeah, I was sort of losing. But, but this is what happens, you know, to Wendy as well, because it happens to all of us humans. Um, tripped past a certain point, everything's on fire, got to fix it, and we're not looking out for the other person. And right. it's not even possible to. So to ask them to do that in that time is sort of is, is madness. Like when I kept sort of pushing, you need to see this, and once it really triggered you, you know, I needed to shut up, and sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. Right. Then it becomes, unfortunately, more often about self-preservation. Yes, yes. Than, than the love of Jesus for the other. And that is some of what the challenge, it, you know, it takes us back to this 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 was a deeper level, I think. This is something we we definitely had gotten introduced to, you know, 20 years ago in our marriage was the first place where anybody was in counseling. We were talking about any of this of facing that, that feeling of desperation, that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, it feels like I'm going to die if yeah. this doesn't change, if I don't get heard. And so that sort of led to a conversation. So this is all going on. We don't even know how each other's day is going yeah. at all. But that and then another experience I had, I'm working with uh, a young man who's processing his experience of some serious abuse in his family. Um, that he is just being able to name and recognize this is way worse than I thought it was. Um, and in that moment, it was it had echoes and elements of some of your story. And I felt like God used it to bring me to say, yeah, you don't use somebody else's story and say, hey, you know how you felt this? I felt I felt like that too. Like I felt convicted. Like I misused 
something I knew about your story. And it took hearing this guy mm. and having overflowing with compassion for him, like, dude, you're minimizing something horrific. And then I'm like, and I just did that, mm. you know? And so I left you mm. a voicemail, a voice text you couldn't get and said, I, I don't know about the rest of it, but I know I misused your story and I feel horrible about that. Yeah. And you were really kind to play it for me in your presence later yeah. because it, I don't know, it disappeared off my phone. Like I saw it was there. I didn't know what yeah. it said. And then it disappeared. I don't know if it played when I wasn't aware yeah. and yeah. then it deleted. I don't know. Yay, technology. Um, But yeah, as we began to kind of pull back the curtain and recognize what was really being triggered, it was not at all about our experience in this leadership position. Um, that was kind of the presenting scenario to argue over. Yeah. But it really was about um, our own relationship with power when we were young. Yes. Yes. And so um, I know that for me, um, in the family system in which I was raised... I had to be small, small enough to be submissive, small enough to be helpful, um, small enough to be a really good compliant kid. Yes. But I had to be big enough to keep um, one particular family member alive. And I'm not going to go into the details here. but Right. Um, there was a family member that feared their own mental health and feared their own ability to stay alive. And I was named as the person who could change all Responsible of that. Responsible for that, right. Yeah. So you are, on the one hand, you're trying to be small so you don't get the, the harsh, cruel, unhealthy attention yep. that came with that. Yes. And at the same time, you are this person's only hope. Yes. Of of staying sane and surviving. Yes. And and we were able to talk this you know this morning about what a bind that is. Yes. Um, that's a horrible. Those don't match up, and neither of those is something a, a child should bear. Right. Um, and it it began to show up by the time I was in high school, as a war with my body. Yeah. And the size and the shape it was, I was always very petite. Um, and that was what my world required. And yet I was, I, I was also pitted against other parts of my body. Mm -hmm. And so it took that form for decades, but really it was deeper than that. It was much deeper. And, and it was something that, I mean, you've been spending, gosh, 20 plus years unpacking. Yeah. Like there've been phases where you would have increased awareness of, Oh, it's worse than I thought. Here's, here's something new, and and literally that has continued. And I say that, and, and that's been my journey as well. Like I knew certain aspects of my story that were difficult and problematic, but there's been a continued journey of discovery. And so for me, that we we, we realized when we were talking this morning that the same, how big, how small are you dynamic was in play. Uh-huh. I had to be because I, I was a combatant in my parents' fights when, between ages 7 and 10. And when he was, my dad was, you know, and both my parents were passed away, so I can talk a little bit more freedom. Um, but 
I was a combatant at age seven, eight, nine. So I had to be big enough to basically fight my dad yeah. and, and to protect my mom from my dad is what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and um, when he was gone, when the fights were done, I was also part of mom's care. And like I had to bring, I mean, I've talked so about this. I remember, I mean, because I met you when I was 13. Yeah. We were 13. So these years had passed. But as I learned about them, I remember thinking you also had to be small enough to be a kid who cared about their mother's suffering. Yes. So that you would come in and do whatever she told you she needed. Uh, And and I had to shrink my world sort of and be small to be the care and comfort that she needed. And... That's an important sort of impossible bind. So yeah. I fear having to be small, having and having to sort of be. And, and when she would, you know, react in certain ways, I, I would. That, there's no room for me. Yeah. Like like she was going to be so big with the emotion and the feeling that I had to be small and and I couldn't have my feelings about it. And yet I'm the man of the house. And yet I'm supposed to, you know, I was parentalized is a word I would use. Um, and so we recognize we both have this bind, this war with having to be bigger. Oh, in fact, we saw a um, we saw a meme uh, this morning. We were talking that we had a good laugh over. Uh, it said, um, "Congratulations, all you kids who were re- who were always praised for being more mature, uh, mature beyond your ears. You're now in therapy." <laughs> it's just, so true. <laughs> It's yeah. so true. Yes. And, you know, thinking when you made that comment when we hung up the Zoom call with our marriage group. Yeah. And you said, I have a little hope. This war, like, climaxed in my body. And I was like, well, I won't be bigger than you with more hope than you. <laughs> and right. that led to the energy in my feet that led me stomping off, of, yes. off upstairs. Because it was this war with... Can I be small? Can I be the right size? Yes. Can you join me in this? Yeah. Um, but my nervous system took that as, oh, you want me to hold more hope and lead the way. Yeah. To keep your hope alive. And I had, at the moment, no idea of what this was really tied to, of keeping a family member alive. Right. And right. their hope for life and their desire um, yes. to move forward. And we both realized we both had to do that. Yep. And we're put in that impossible position. So, of course, it makes talking about need between us really delicate. Oh, so dangerous. Yeah, so risky, I should say. So risky. Yes. And then that sort of led us to also a a revelation about even with our relationship with power, like we, we discovered sort of there's a word we need to be careful about. Like you... when. When I am, I'm on this journey of, of embracing that sometimes I, I am overwhelmed or I, I'm not as confident. Like for me to say I have a little hope was, you know, that for me felt honest and real. And I, but I'm not, I can't come save the day. So I felt like I was being the right size. But for you, 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 you used a word, you, you regarded that as fragile. Remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and we had a good conversation about, you know, what, is, what does it mean when you think, oh man, the person I'm with is fragile it feels all that pressure rises back up again. I can't I can't be weak because you're fragile, you're going to break. Right. It makes me feel like the person is going to break, like it is my job to see to it that nothing happens to this vase 
this object, this yes. this china. Um, it's my responsibility to keep everything in check here. Right, and and I feel that same way. I don't like fragility either. And we talked about sort of reframing that idea. Even we've been trying to get away from, and we we do this in in sort of our story work as well with others. Um, you're not broken is not a great word. Yeah. You're wounded. Yeah. Okay. You're wounded. Um, there is brokenness, and and I know there's lots of you know Christian imagery and songs and stuff, but. But what if we treat ourselves as wounded vessels yeah. and, and to say, oh, you are, you're wounded right now. And so one of the things I talked about with, um, partly with the thing with fragile and broken is they're sort of, they're easily black, white, dichotomized, you know, uh-huh. oh, you're broken. Well, this is, you know, we're not going to get fixed. But, um, and this, this guy I was working with was talking about, you know, when she's critical and she's hurt, then I've lost. And I view life as wins and losses. I was like, oh, dude, okay, that's going to be hard. It's like, I said, so you can't lose? And he said, no, I just don't want to lose twice. Uh-huh. Um, I want to learn yeah. from my mistakes. And I want to fix it better. I'm like, oh, I resonate with that so much. And when you're talking about a marriage relationship, that's going to drive you nuts. Because yeah. it feels, you know, if you, if, you, if you score it in terms of wins and losses, yeah. if you look at it as how well am I doing at attuning to my, my spouse, am I loving them well, you can, and, and, it's, and it's a flowing thing, you can always make a course correction. Yeah. In the same way, if we don't define the other person, oh shit, you're fragile. Yep. I have to be the strong one. There's that whole, you know, and I think that was something they said in our, uh, and I was a fool to believe I'd ever, you know, get to be myself. Yeah. I was a fool. And it, that was one of the things we talked about in our in our marriage kind of group setting. Was yeah. When we get in that place, damn it, I knew this was going to happen. Yep. I was a fool, whatever. But but if we can reframe that, even like let's let's say, oh my gosh, my 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 partner is is in their story right now. Yep. They are they are feeling and experiencing, you know, what's happened in the past, which was very real, as if it's present now. I know it's not, but I can't yeah. convince them it's not. You know, I not knowing much about her, um, I really like pink. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know much about her, so don't right, hold right. that against me. But she has some good things to say in some of her songs. Yes, what and, do you think of specifically? And, well, I was thinking there's, I don't remember what song it's in, but she says, remember we're not broken, just bent. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that's that line has always stuck out to me. And we can learn to love again. Yes. yes. What is the song? It's um, Just Give Me a Reason. Yes. She does with Nate Royce, who used to be uh, fun. Yes. Yeah, I just, I, I just like her. But anyway... Her theology here would line up, yes. right? Like, you know, we're not broken, just bent. Yes. And I think of the scripture like a bruised reed. You could yeah. say, Pink might say a bent reed. <laughs> you know, God will not break. Yes. You know, but but there's a tending that's needed. A tending, yes. And well, and for us, it was a revelation. It's getting deeper even now as we talk that what that feeling of, oh, no, fragile brings up yeah. in us you are so broke you are fragile you're broken i can't carry this yeah. we know our bodies know that yeah and we and we bristle and run yeah but when we're like oh like we had a different i think experience when we 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 had we were trying to talk through some of this this morning and we we we, we saw some of this big and small dynamic and boy we both have that challenge with what's the right size yeah and then we another trigger sort of happened you know we started going down a path talking about something different but we stopped. Yes. And I didn't keep trying to persuade you and say, please hear my story. Please hear my brilliant point. Yeah. No, you actually 
turned our walk to a place where you knew there was this tree. I guess you know it was there. Mm-hmm. And stepped under the tree branches and gave me a huge hug. And it changed everything. Yes. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it was like your body is experiencing absence of care right now and fear <clears throat> yeah. of, I know this well. Yeah. And I was like, well, my words are what I go to to try to fix. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, they're not going to do it. Let me try this. And it was risky because yeah. I'm like, you might have said, you ain't hugging me right now. And I would have needed to honor that. But I, I felt solid enough that I could offer it and, yeah. and I was going to try it because I, I, I felt like I could show strength. But not in a power way. Right, like the I difference between you, strength and power. Yes. And that, that'll be for another day. But like you knew that there was that risk because of some of the harm my body has known. Yes. But you also knew that I've been overpowered in many ways. And so yes. being able to come with the power of kindness um, was what was needed. Yes. So leaving pink aside... <laughs> I think you have something by a more uh, maybe reputable theologian. Let's don't say not reputable. Let's just say more sp- overtly spiritually inclined. Overtly Christianly inclined. Yes. So yes. I was actually... Douglas McElby. Douglas McElby. I was actually with my spiritual director this week. I have a guy that I've been meeting with who um, is, is just a spiritual director and is really, you know, we're learning on how do you hear God's voice. Um, how do you connect with God in here now? How do you make decisions? All that. It's been really powerful. But he was really excited when we got together to share with me um, a liturgy from the Every Moment Holy book series. Um, this is volume three, which hasn't been out very long. came out maybe earlier this fall. Um, and this, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I commend it to your reading. The whole, the, the whole book of liturgies is great. But um, I'm going to read a portion of it. It's called Begging the Grace to love one man or woman well. And he was telling me how he had rewritten it with basically his name, his wife's name oh, in it. And this is yeah. this is a pilgrim who has walked a long way. Grandparent to lots of kids. Um, just somebody I really have enjoyed, delighted in spending time with. Um, but I'm going to read part of it because it sort of, it really reflects what we're, we're talking about here and it's kind of a good thing to end on. Um, So it says, So in this shared and sacramental life, let me never burden my spouse with the expectation that they must somehow fulfill those deepest God-shaped longings of my soul, which are meant only in you, O God. And we would add to that sort of that they can bind up all the wounds that we bear. Yeah. Um, Because we can bring a lot of care. We can bring a lot of goodness. Oh, yeah. And the void, the pain, the wound is too deep. Like no one person ever can. Truly. Um, Rather, I'm continuing with the liturgy, rather teach me to consider what I might give instead of lamenting what I do not receive. Let me rightly carry my frustrations and disappointments to you rather than lashing out at the one so dear to my heart. Shape me as a vessel of kindness and mercy, poised always to forgive any shortcoming in my beloved, even as I covet their proffered graces in unmerited response to my own failings. Make of us in these flickering days good companions, O Lord, of much benefit to one another. Let us practice the practical and joy-filled consolation that comes, not from demanding perfection of the other, but from looking into one another's eyes and recognizing, Oh, you too have known Uh. this holy wounding? Oh, you too have felt this holy hope? Mm. Then let us again clasp hands as allies and fellow pilgrims 
journeying in faithful company toward those blessed ends to which our eternal hungers compel us. Indeed, Lord, let my beloved and I always lean into this hard task of learning to love one another in all seasons, convinced that to love one other person well is at the very heart of the high and holy calling to love Christ and his people and his creation. So, let the daily intentioned building of our love for one another across these brief years make us better lovers of all things you so fiercely love, O Lord. So let our married love ever flow from you and ever return to you. I love that. Amen. I love that. Yeah, I just love the practicality of it and the the honor that's in there. And it's not, you have to read the rest of the liturgy. It's not vacuous or simplistic. It's like, hey, this is hard work, yeah. but it's really good work. Yeah. So thank you, Wendy, for sharing kind of our journey into good work and... We'll be looking forward to re-engaging with all you good folks and how to be right-sized and bring strength that doesn't have to become power. The Surviving Saturday podcast is brought to you by Nurture Counseling PLLC, a counseling teaching and training center based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We help families flourish one story at a time. Nurture Counseling provides counseling, counseling intensive for couples, conflict resolution coaching, story work groups, seminars, workshops, and retreats to provide a safe and welcoming context for exploring the agonizing experiences of pain, brokenness, and evil that disrupt our lives and that God often uses to nurture deeper trust and intimacy with Him and with each other. You can find us online at www.nurturecounseling.net.